The Covington kids sue the Washington Post for a quarter of a billion dollars. Crooked ex-FBI official Andy McCabe walks back comments on the coup d'etat that he helped plan. New York's Bolshevik mayor Bill de Blasio attacks Ocasio-Cortez as too far left. And Kamala Harris's own father attacks her to, uh, for cynically playing identity politics. We ask, has the left finally gone too far? I'm Michael Knowles and this is The Michael Knowles Show. This is a day that we have all been waiting for. After weeks of the left going completely insane, we've wondered, is there a limit to this? Is there any point that they can reach where members of their own party will push back, where the American people will push back? I think we have reached it, and we have reached it explicitly today. All of the evidence shows a major pushback, not just from Howard Schultz, although he's part of it, but from members of the Democrat Party, from left-wingers, from Bolsheviks like Bill de Blasio. We'll go through all of it, but first make a little money, honey. With Dollar Shave Club, I love that Dollar Shave Club has everything I need to look, feel, and smell my best. What I love even more is that I never have to go to the store. That's because Dollar Shave Club delivers everything that I need right to my door, and they keep me fully stocked on what I use so I don't run out. Here's how it works. They have everything you need to get ready, no matter what you're getting ready for. They have you covered uh, head to toe, your hair, your skin, your face, you name it. They have this new program where they automatically keep you stocked up on the products that you use. For instance, look at my shiny, beautiful teeth. Look at those teeth. You see that? You need good toothpaste. And this is one of those things I always forget to go to the store to buy toothpaste. So you're there at the very end of the tube squeezing out, you know, one hundredth of a cent worth of toothpaste until the very end. Or, or sometimes I hate to be a little behind the curtain here on this. Sometimes you don't even, you just try to brush as best you can with the remnant scraps of toothpaste. Don't do that. No more. Get that beautiful Dollar Shave Club toothpaste. It gets automatically sent to you. It's just fabulous. Right now, they've got a bunch of starter sets you can try for just five bucks, like their oral care kit. After that, the restock box ships regular-sized products at regular price. What are you waiting for? Get your starter set for just five bucks right now. Five bucks. That's like nothing. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. That is dollarshave Club.com slash Covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. So the first bit of evidence that the left has gone too far and we're not going to take it anymore comes in the form of those Covington high school kids. You remember the kids waiting for their bus outside in Washington. A bunch of black supremacists start screaming at them. That Native American lunatic walks up and starts banging a drum in their kid's face. Kid does nothing other than sort of smile a little bit. And the whole mainstream media, the whole left wing, Democrat presidential candidates, they all pile on the kid. They say that he ran up to them. He was provoking them. He totally smeared this kid, Nick Sandman. He is fighting back. He is now suing the Washington Post for a quarter of a billion dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha ha, happy day. (laughs) It's so good. I'm not the only one celebrating President Trump himself is celebrating, and I got to tell you, I have been waiting over three years for this tweet. President Trump tweeted, quote, the Washington Post ignored basic journalistic standards because it wanted to advance its well-known and easily documented biased agenda against President Donald J. Trump. Covington students suing WAPO. Go get them, Nick. Fake news. I have been waiting over three years for this tweet. I have been waiting three years ever since Barack Obama 
tweeted out to that kid who had, it was, I guess, sort of like a bomb hoax in his school from this, he's the son of this activist, radical activist, and the kid brought in what looked like a bomb, but it was a disassembled clock that he didn't even build. He just sort of took apart part of a clock. And Barack Obama weighs in on this, and he obviously is in favor of the radical left here, and he tweets, cool clock, Ahmed, want to bring it to the White House? We should inspire more kids like you to like science. It's what makes America great. And we just sat there and we thought, you jerk, Barack Obama. You have to just needle all of America all the time. Imply that Americans are racist. Imply that they are irrationally, religiously bigoted. It just, mm, 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 just twist that little knife. And we have been waiting now for over three years for the answer. And we got the answer. And the answer wasn't because some guy made a clock or whatever. It was not. No, the answer was because a high school kid is suing WAPO for a quarter of a billion dollars. Go get them, Nick. Fake news. Ha ha ha. How's it feel? How's it feel, left-wing America? How's it feel, Washington Post? Oh, it's so good. It's the perfect response. Revenge is a dish best tweeted three years later when you might take down that stupid fake newspaper, the Washington Post. <laughs> so the, I'm, so I'm enjoying this so much that it takes a while to come back and ask the question, does the kid have a case? I don't really care if he does or not. I just love this lawsuit, but it'd be better, obviously, if he does have a case. And the evidence points to the Covington kid, Nick Santaman, actually having a defamation case against the Washington Post. Why, why does he? I mean, it's very hard to prove defamation or libel or slander or calumny. It's very difficult because you have to show intent, you have to show recklessness, you have to show that they were ignoring certain things. Alan Dershowitz, one of the leading lawyers in the whole country for the past 40 years, 50 years, ha believes that these kids have a case. The lawsuit claims that the Washington Post, quote, ignored the truth and falsely accused Nicholas of, among other things, accosting, in quotes, Phillips, by suddenly swarming him in a threatening and physically intimidating manner. Now, did the Washington Post just get the story wrong? Because then I don't know if they have a case. Is, does this very language constitute uh, defamation in and of itself. Well, I don't know. How does a 16-year-old kid appear physically threatening? The kid, I mean, not, I, I don't mean to criticize the kid at all. He's not the most physically intimidating guy to begin with. Is he intimidating him because he's sort of smiling while some lunatic is banging a drum in his face? That's not threatening. When was he threatening him? When did they suddenly swarm? There was no evidence whatsoever that they suddenly swarmed. None at all. The, the Washington Post invented that out of whole cloth. How do we know that? Because the short video that was first released didn't show that. And then the longer video obviously didn't show that. Instead, you had the Native American lunatic and the black supremacists swarming the kids. Native American, or the, the black supremacists screaming at the kids, starting the confrontation. And then the Native American lunatic physically going up to the kids and banging a drum in their face. That's obviously more threatening than smirking. Banging a drum in some kid's face instead of just, mm, just a little mm, assault smirk, a hate smirk. Now, the Sandman attorney goes on further, and this is like the best part of it. Quote, all members of the mainstream and social media mob of bullies who recklessly and viciously attacked Nick would be well served 
to read it carefully, referring to the lawsuit. Now, the language here was very precise and it was intentional. All these other members of the media, as well as these online celebrities, presidential candidates, would be well served to read it carefully, as in served with a lawsuit. So this clearly is a legal threat. What it seems to imply, I hope it's not an empty threat, what it seems to imply is that Sandman is going to be going after other people as well who piled on him. Good. I hope so. I hope he takes these people for all they're worth. I hope he rips the Washington Post to the ground. The Washington Post is already a journalistic pile of rubble, and uh, they should empty out that building as well. They should empty out the payroll as well. They should empty out the corporate structure as well. And that way you can have the corporate structure match the journalistic standards that they adhere to, which is absolute ruins. Same thing with the Democrat presidential candidates. Same thing with the online celebrities. It's fabulous. In New York City, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has gone too far left as well. How do we know that? It's not just the Washington Post. It's not just these online celebrities. AOC has gone too far left even for the Bolshevik mayor, Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio. So Bill de Blasio was uh, interviewed on NBC News and he was asked about the Amazon deal. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez almost single-handedly chased Amazon out of New York. This would have, this destroyed 40,000 jobs, the jobs with an average salary of $150,000, a ton of tax revenue from that borough, from that neighborhood, going into the city, going into the state. Even lefty lunatics like de Blasio were begging for Amazon to come there. And Ocasio-Cortez chased them out. Here is uh, Bill de Blasio trying to walk this tightrope between not going explicitly after AOC, but also saying, look, we, we progressives, we Democrats are not anti-job. We don't, please don't get the wrong impression. Please don't think that we're chasing jobs. I mean, they are. The leading spokesman for progressivism right now, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is explicitly saying, we don't need your jobs. We don't need your money. We don't need your productive economy. And he's saying, no, 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 don't believe that. Here, he's trying to make the case. He opens up his NBC interview. He says, before we get to anything. Well, Chuck, it's great to be here, but I'm a progressive and I'm proud to be. Progressives are about jobs for working people. So that's, that's an essential progressive value. It isn't, though. I see why he has to make that case. Because the left has been exposed. The left has exposed itself. But jobs for working people is not a progressive value. The progressive value is not about helping out the poor. The progressive value is about hurting the rich. This has always been true. We've always known this to be true. But they have exposed themselves in this Amazon deal. The Amazon deal, which would have cost the city nothing, it would have cost them $3 billion out of 20, in tax incentives, out of an additional $27 billion in tax revenue that they were going to get, would have created tens of thousands of jobs, an enormous amount of wealth, uh, forget about just tax receipts to the state and local governments. It, just the wealth that this would have created for New York would have been immense. And they gave all of that up on the ideology of progressivism because by helping the working class and the middle class in New York, it would have also helped the rich. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her fellow progressives cannot abide that. They would rather hurt the rich than help the poor. It is, Winston Churchill said, socialism is the creed of ignorance, the gospel of envy, and the philosophy of failure. And that's what it is. Margaret Thatcher said, you, don't, you would rather 
the difference in wealth between the rich and the poor be smaller, even if everybody got poorer, than for the difference in wealth between the rich and the poor to increase, even if everyone gets richer. We've been making this point for decades now. AOC is spelling it out. De Blasio is still trying to keep a lid on it. She also exposes herself for not understanding anything about economics. I don't mean that she doesn't understand some advanced aspect of economics, some contentious part. I mean, she doesn't understand even what a tax is. She doesn't even know what taxes are. We'll show that clip in a second, and we'll show de Blasio trying to talk about it, trying to walk it back. But first, we do understand money here. We do understand how money works. So let's make a little money, honey, with honey. Millions of top-rated sellers are offering the exact same products on Amazon. Finding the best deal feels like looking for an invisible needle in the world's biggest haystack. Thanks to Honey, the free browser extension, I always get the best price on Amazon without lifting a finger. Honey automatically goes to work whenever I shop on Amazon. It compares the prices of every seller that carries the item that I want. Honey factors in shipping, sales tax, and Amazon Prime status to make sure I'm getting the lowest total price. It makes the best deal every time, even if Amazon doesn't. It's like having your very own personal shopping assistant. I got this just the other day. I was buying a Valentine's Day present for sweet little Elisa, and I was going on Amazon. You know, you're looking at all the different prices and everything, and different different people selling the same product. You just don't know. You don't need to worry about that with Honey. You go to Honey. Honey will track the price for you. It will show you other sellers that have it. I was able to get the cheapest price on sweet little Elisa's AirPods, and they're very cool. Uh, I love it. Saves. I mean, I've been using Honey since before the Daily Wire existed. I've saved thousands of dollars on it. More than 10 million people are using Honey to save money. Has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Chrome store. It's, it's free money. Next time you're shopping on Amazon, don't wonder whether you found the best deal. Just add Honey. Get the best price automatically. Add Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash covfefe. C-O-V-F-E-F-E. That is joinhoney.com slash covfefe. C-O-V-F-E-F-E. Honey, the smart shopping assistant that helps save you time and money, honey. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, this is the clip that de Blasio has to react to. Good on Chuck Todd, actually, for playing it. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is talking, she's celebrating how she chased Amazon out of New York. Yeah, we got rid of 40,000 jobs. Woohoo! we did it. Progressivism for the win. And Chuck Todd has to play this clip for Bill de Blasio. He has a tough answer, but just listen to how this woman misunderstands taxes. If we were willing to give Amazon three, if we were will, willing oh, to give away $3 billion for this deal, we could invest those $3 billion in our district ourselves if we wanted to. We could hire out more teachers. We can fix our subways. We can put a lot of people to work for that money if we wanted to. No, you can't because the money doesn't exist. I cannot believe, this makes total sense now. I mean, this is why she, I guess, just Pure ignorance, coupled with her ideology, caused her to fight and get rid of 40,000 jobs in her district. The $3 billion does not exist. New York said that they would give $3 billion in tax incentives to Amazon if they put their headquarters there. A tax incentive is a rebate on the taxes that you pay. So in order to get the $3 billion in tax incentives, you have to pay at least $3 billion in the first place. If that revenue isn't there, revenue to the government, you don't get the tax incentive. Dude, she thinks there's just like $3 billion sitting around on 15th Street, just waiting to be picked up and doled out to everybody. No, no, no. Amazon provides the money 
from which the, that, that includes and encompasses the $3 billion. So if there's no Amazon, there's no $3 billion. This girl has a degree in economics from Boston University. Boston University should shut down. We should shut her, we should decertify Boston University. If you can get a degree in economics from Boston University and not understand what a tax is, that university should not exist. People should, I mean, certainly no one should send their children there if they want to study economics. Because even if you, if you, know, if you could learn economics there, look at how low the standards have fallen. So she doesn't understand what a basic tax is. By the way, the entire role of Congress is to control the purse strings. That's her, she's a congresswoman. Doesn't understand the very basics of taxes. Here, Bill de Blasio tries to explain, without going after her too hard, what a tax incentive is. Think that when you give a tax incentive, that um, that somehow that's oh that's money you had over here and it was going over there. These were this is money that didn't exist. This three billion dollars. Okay, is the, do you feel as if this is a problem in trying to explain how this deal worked? Yeah, look, this was a deal that was going to bring twenty-seven billion dollars in revenue to the state and city for things like public education, mass transit, affordable housing. And that $3 billion would go back in tax incentives was only after we were getting the jobs and getting the There's revenue. not $3 billion There's in no money, money that exists right. anywhere, correct? Exactly. Yes. So here's the bottom line. I, I think people were looking for fairness here. They were looking for a positive outcome. Okay, so he, does, he says, well, no, yeah, it's not. No, she does not quite. But he won't go after her specifically. Why not? because she's influential nationally. And he keeps saying, look, I'm defining progressivism. No, progressivism is pro-jobs, it's pro-worker. No, you're not. And the, re the way that we know that you are not the spokesman for progressivism is that you won't criticize AOC, who just lost your city $27 billion in tax revenue, 40,000 jobs, average jobs of $150,000. You won't go after her because she is popular nationally. She is a far more widely known spokesman for progressivism than Bill de Blasio is. And this is what happens, by the way, when you follow AOC and you are factually incorrect, but morally right. There's no such thing as that. She said the other day, some people, they're so obsessed with being factually correct that they're not morally right. In order to be morally right, you have to be factually correct. What AOC just did is immoral. She deprived that district of 40,000 jobs, a ton of money, a ton of wealth. And she did it because she was factually incorrect. She didn't know what a tax was. She thought that the city was going to spend $3 billion to bring Amazon there. $3 billion that they could have invested in the people. No, no, no. That money doesn't exist. They were just going to take $3 billion less out of $27 billion that was going to go to the city and, and anyway. So we know that this is not the first time that AOC has demonstrated her economic illiteracy, her factual incorrectness. Ben Stein, here he is, making that point just the other day. We're going to have Medicare for all. That means we're going to have bankruptcy for all. Look, Ms. Cortez has a plan to do a gigantic amount of rebuilding of this country. It's going to bankrupt this country. It's going to make this country literally bankrupt if the green... Green New Deal were ever signed into law, on that day, the American people would be bankrupt forever. So it's a very, very serious step. We've got to step back from it way, way, way far back. Bankrupt forever. And he's not exaggerating. He's not joking. $40 trillion instantly, you kill the entire economy, you take over whole industries. That would bankrupt us forever. That would be Venezuela. 
People think Venezuela could never happen here. The way Venezuela happens here is the Green New Deal, quote unquote. The Democrats weren't always like this. Democrats have passed big radical spending packages in the past. It hasn't totally destroyed our country. What's different now is the degree. It's not different in kind. They were always pretty radical. They were always spending a lot of money. They were always economically largely illiterate. But what, what's happened now is they have gone so far to the left that you're, you're talking about not just hampering the economy for four or eight years. You're talking about bankrupting us forever when you talk about the Green New Deal. When you have gone further left than Bill de Blasio, you are through the looking glass. And it's not just in New York. It's not just on economic matters. Nationally speaking, uh, Andy McCabe, the guy who tried to launch a coup d'etat on President Donald Trump, has now gone too far, even for some Democrats. He's gone too far. He's pushed the left too far. And so now he's got to walk back. You remember, we did a whole show on disgraced FBI agent Andy McCabe's uh, attempted coup d'etat. We went through point by point what he said. Now he's walking that back because he admitted to treason, all to sell a book. He admitted to being a traitor to his country. Listen to how the exposed liar, the demonstrable liar, Andy McCabe, contradicts his previous statements that he made just a few days ago. He's contradicting them now yesterday on MSNBC. Discussing the 25th Amendment, which removes a duly elected president from office. The conversation was not about removing the president. Well, that's what the 25th Amendment yeah, is. So you know. Rod brought up the 25th Amendment, mentioned it in the course of a wide ranging and frenetic conversation. It is not something that I'm aware of. He took any action to pursue. I don't know about any other meetings that included discussions of it. Uh, it was simply one thing, one topic um, in the midst of a whole host of issues that we were thinking about and, and kind of working uh, through our heads. Did he that present time. that idea to other cabinet officials? Because, as you know, he had to yeah. count heads to see, do I have the votes to remove the president? Not that I'm aware of. I have no indication. And, and no, not that I'm aware. No indication that he was counting the votes. No indication whatsoever, except that three days ago, he said that Rod Rosenstein was counting the votes. Other cabinet members and whether or not people would support such an idea, whether or not other cabinet members would um, shared his belief that the president was um, was really concerning, was concerning Rod at that time. Rosenstein was actually openly talking about whether there was a majority of the cabinet who would vote to remove the president. That's correct. Counting votes or possible votes. <laughs> he explicitly uses the phrase, yes, he was counting votes. But look, I mean, we know that we know that this guy is a liar. He got fired from the FBI for being a liar. But we know at the very beginning of his interview, uh, the one on MSNBC, he said, no, no, we weren't talking about removing the president. We were just talking about the 25th Amendment. And then good on the MSNBC panel. They said, uh, the entire point of the 25th Amendment is to remove the president. I said, yeah, yeah, but we were, no, but that was part of a wide-ranging discussion. Right, I don't care if you were talking about your favorite apple pie recipe. You were talking about it. You were talking about it. You just said you were talking about it. Then you said you weren't talking about it. Now you're admitting you were talking about it. But this guy is a liar. I mean, his words are worth nothing, which is why we've got to investigate what he's really doing. And you've got to remember, when, he, when this guy was found to have lied to investigators, he, the uh, inspector general turned his case over to the U.S. attorney for possible prosecution. And also good on CNN, CNN legal analyst, uh, Ellie Honig, who's probably not going to be a CNN legal analyst for long. He came out and he 
came out strongly against uh, Andy McCabe, and now we've got to look at potential prosecution. Whenever we hear something from McCabe, we need to keep in mind he has a serious credibility problem. The Department of Justice Inspector General found that he lacked candor, which is the polite bureaucratic way of saying lied, three times in three separate interviews about whether he was a leak or, or authorized the leak on the Hillary Clinton case. And he made a, he's made a defense during this book tour, well, I was confused and I didn't understand the questions. I find that completely unconvincing. He lied, not just, he didn't just have one bad day. Three separate times lied to the FBI. He also said he was authorized by the FBI to be the person who was the liaison with the press. You don't buy that? Uh, the DOJ, the OIG certainly did not buy it. And look, Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, Michael Cohen, George Papadopoulos were all prosecuted for making false statements to federal investigators. I don't see why McCabe's case is really any different than those. Boom. Absolutely right. This is the issue. You've got Michael Flynn thrown under the bus looking at prison for what? For maybe making a misleading statement to an investigator? You've got all of these. Paul Manafort is basically going to jail for enjoying nice suits in the 1990s. And you've got all of these guys all facing charges for lying to investigators. Andy McCabe lied to investigators. The inspector general points that out. So all things being equal, all these guys lied to investigators. Now, what's the difference? One of them is lying about inconsequential things. Another one is basically just likes nice Italian suits. <laughs> you know, some of these guys, they're lying about things, maybe, or misleading, or maybe misremembering things in an investigation that really shouldn't have been happening in the first place, launched, by the way, by Andy McCabe. And then in the other case, you've got Andy McCabe, who is attempting to launch a coup d'etat and overturn a U.S. presidential election. Those are not equal. Their crimes ostensibly are equal. But I guess there's another way in which they're unequal. All of the people working for Republicans have to go to jail to pay for that crime. And Andy McCabe gets to smile, smile on television news, on MSNBC. What did I do wrong? I did nothing wrong. Buy my book. Give me your money. Unbel such a miscarriage of justice. This is a guy who is not only a demonstrable liar, he's, he's lying right in front of us. He's telling us, don't believe our lying eyes and our lying ears. I really hope that guy gets prosecuted. I really hope that they follow up on that because it, it is a sign of hope that, that Andy McCabe, this guy working for a crony leftist bureaucratic coup d'etat, has gone too far left, even for MSNBC and even for CNN. This is a sign of some sanity in the country. And Speaking of presidential coup d'etats, speaking of the presidency, in the Democrat presidential primary, you now have Kamala Harris, who's probably the leader of the pack. She's probably the strongest candidate right now, going too far left even for her own father, who has come out and attacked her for this. We'll get to that in a second. Then we got to get to good old crazy Bernie. We got to get to the wall. And if we have time, we have to get to a new song that is out uh, about celebrating abortion. The left showing their radicalism Killing Babies After Birth, a new song out about having a, a, a shower, a baby shower for the baby that you're killing. We'll get to all that, but first, we've got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Listen, I'm going to be flying out to Indiana in about two hours, and then I'm going to be giving a speech tomorrow night at Notre Dame. Notre Dame right now has beautiful mur murals of Christopher Columbus on its walls, and the president of that university has decided to cover up those murals. He would probably would have taken them down, except they're right on the wall, so they would have had to go full Taliban and just knock the wall down if they wanted to get rid of them, destroy them completely. So now they're covering them up. I will be going to 
Notre Dame tomorrow to discuss how awful this is, what this means for liberal education, the total cowardice and moral idiocy of the Notre Dame administration, and then I will be presenting a robust defense of Christopher Columbus, hero, not heathen, one of the greatest men in all of history. So we're going to be streaming that here. If you're not in Indiana, you don't want to brave the cold. If you are in Indiana, I hope you can come and check it out. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, we've got a number of Antifa have already RSVP'd. I don't, I don't know how open-minded they're going to be about hearing my talk, but they apparently will be there nonetheless, and you can check it out on Daily Wire. Uh, also, subscribe. Ten bucks a month, hundred dollars for an annual membership. You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag, you get to ask questions backstage, you get to ask, uh, by the way, get your mailbag questions in for tomorrow. You get another kingdom. You get everything. And you get this. The Leftist Tears Tumblr. It's going to be a little frozen tomorrow in Notre Dame, but it is going to fill up while we defend the man who discovered America, one of the greatest men in human history, Christopher Columbus. Check it out at dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Kamala Harris is in trouble with daddy. So you remember the other day on the show, Kamala Harris was talking about uh, smoking pot. And she said, well, you know, I'm Jamaican. I've smoked pot. I love listening to Tupac and, and Snoop Dogg. I did that in college seven years before Tupac and Snoop Dogg released their debut albums. I'm cool. How do you do, fellow kids? So she's talking about that. And she, one of the lines she said was, I'm Jamaican. So of course I like pot. Ha ha ha. Her Jamaican father didn't get a kick out of that. Her father, Donald Harris, is a Stanford economics professor. And you'll recall at the time when she came out and talked about that, I said that I doubt that Kamala Harris has ever smoked pot in her life. I seriously doubt that she has ever even once taken even one hit on even one joint because she comes from a pretty uptight family, a cancer researcher mother, Stanford economics professor father, obviously a very driven woman. It, probably in college, what she was doing was studying for law school. And then when she was in law school, she was preparing to become a prosecutor and then a United States senator. I don't think she was spending a lot of time with the Chum gang. Maybe I'm wrong. So her father comes out and basically says this. Uh, Donald Harris came out and said, quote, I won't do it in a Jamaican accent because that would be slightly too offensive and <laughs> it would be maybe funny, but I really like the point that he's making. And I think he's underscoring the utter silliness of Kamala Harris's campaign. He says, quote, my dear departed grandmother, as well as my deceased parents, must be turning in their grave right now to see their family's name, reputation, and proud Jamaican identity being connected in any way, jokingly or not, with the fraudulent stereotype of a pot-smoking joy seeker and in the pursuit of identity politics. Speaking for myself and my immediate Jamaican family, we wish to categorically dissociate ourselves from this travesty. Oof! Tough words from a father about a daughter. But Kamala Harris does deserve it. Kamala Harris, the whole campaign, again, I've been calling this since day one, the only chance she has to win the presidency is to play identity politics, to create a mood, to appeal to people's base appetites and base bigotry. That's the only chance she has. She's an accomplished woman. She's obviously pretty smart, but she can't talk about any of her accomplishments because she's a prosecutor and the Democrats have become lawless. They hate prosecutors. They hate cops. They hate law enforcement. They hate the law. 
So she can't talk about that, and she's got to pretend that she's a big pothead, because haha, I'm Jamaican, haha, I love Snoop Doggy Dog. Yeah, yeah, guys, I'm a cool kid. That's what she has to do, and I love that her father called her out for this, and called her out not just for the offensiveness to Jamaicans, but for playing identity politics. So I'll take that as some validation that even Kamala Harris's father agrees with my assessment of her presidential campaign. And she's not the craziest person in the race. You know who the craziest person is in the race is. We now officially have Bernie Sanders 2020. Bernie is here. We played the clip yesterday, his announcement video, but only today did we get President Trump's uh, crazy Bernie tweet. He t- President Trump tweeted out, Crazy Bernie has entered the race. I wish him well. <laughs> he gave him that title. Not the most clever title, but that's okay. It's uh, fairly accurate. Now, this is the counterexample. Bernie's entering the race is the counterexample to my thesis that the left has finally gone too far, that the left is finally seeing pushback from Howard Schultz, from Kamala Harris's father, from MSNBC and CNN analysts, from all of these various people. The counterexample to this that people are raising is that Bernie Sanders, in just one day of announcing his presidential run, raised $6 million. It's a lot of money. That breaks records. I mean, that is a huge deal. It's not actually a counterexample, though. I still, I think this, if anything, this is evidence that the, the left has gone too far. Let's not forget that Ron Paul in 2007 raised $4.2 million in one day. That was a dozen years ago. He raised a significant amount of money, also broke fundraising records. Do we remember the Paul administration? Do we remember those eight years of President Ron Paul? I don't think so. When Ron Paul always was able to raise a ton of money, he was, he was always winning straw polls at places like CPAC. Bernie Sanders is the Ron Paul of the left. Now, I prefer Ron Paul to Bernie Sanders by a long shot because Ron Paul is the Bernie Sanders of the right, and I prefer that. But that's what Bernie Sanders is doing. He's making a huge show of force. He's showing there is a radical leftist base. They're willing to give him a lot of money. They're willing to make big stunts like one-day money bombs or straw polls because they're not going to be able to win states. They're not going to be able to survive. We explained why yesterday in a long analysis of his presidential run, He can't survive in a race of Kamala Harris's. He can't survive in a race where he doesn't have Hillary Clinton to kick around anymore. So President Trump weighs in on crazy Bernie. That's fine. Let's remember, this isn't just some epithet that uh, President Trump is throwing out. Bernie Sanders is a radical socialist. He had his honeymoon in the Soviet Union. He sang communist songs with Soviets shirtless. He has never held a real job in his life. Bernie is so radical that he has defended breadlines in communist countries and, and leftist countries throughout his career. Here is Bernie Sanders giving away the whole game, just like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. He's pulling away the facade and he's exposing progressivism for what it is, the ideology of the breadlines. What has to be understood is the economic problems of Nicaragua are not unique in Central America or in the third world. In fact, as poor as Nicaragua is, One of the nice things that I saw is that as a result of government policy, direct government policy in terms of the distribution of food, people are not hungry by and large. I think it's fair to say. You know, it's funny, sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. 
In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. In Nicaragua, people are not starving uh, to death. It's a good thing when people line up for food. Bread lines are a very good thing. It means they're getting their food. No, it means they're not getting their food. That's why they have to wait in lines for hours. If there was plenty of food to go around, they wouldn't be waiting in line. They'd just be doling out bread. Hey, here you go. Hey, who wants a chicken pot pie? Hey, you'd be going through the drive-thru, like happens in capitalist countries. That, there is no, there is no alternative here that he is presenting. The dichotomy that he is presenting is that when people are waiting in bread lines for hours at a time to try to get just a little bit of food to survive, that's a good thing. It means people are eating. But in capitalist countries, there are no bread lines. It must mean that people are starving. Except, oh, nope, wait a minute. They're just not waiting because there's so much food everywhere. There's, there's so many opportunities to get food everywhere that you don't have to wait in line. In the capitalist country, in the United States, as, as, when you look at the capitalist company developed during the height of American capitalism, McDonald's, you don't have bread lines. You have the dollar menu. You have some of the most incredible advances in all of human history, the McDouble. You have so much nutrition packed into such a delicious, small little sandwich that you pay $1 for. And you don't need to wait in the bread line. You don't need to wait in the McDouble line for three hours to try to get it from the government. No, you can get it for nothing. People have dollars coming out of their pockets in America. People are lousy with dollars. Even homeless people in America are lousy with dollars. One of the troubling things, one of the actual kind of downsides of going into a fast food restaurant is you've you've got uh, often in the parking lot or just outside, you got people asking you for money and you give them money because that's where they eat. That's where they get their, because they can get a McDouble for $1 in a capitalist country. This is a beautiful thing. Bernie Sanders, though, gets reality exactly backwards. And of course, he's not the only one. Back to AOC. We haven't talked about the emergency uh, wall funding measure, the national emergency, and the spending bill. We'll cover that very briefly, because AOC doesn't just get taxes backwards. She gets the wall exactly backwards as well, exactly as backwards as Bernie Sanders gets socialism and capitalism. No matter how you feel about, a, about the wall, you know, I think it's a moral abomination. I think it's like the Berlin Wall. He thinks it's like the Berlin Wall. It's not like the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall kept people imprisoned in a country. The southern border wall is keeping people from invading our country illegally. It is not just not like the Berlin Wall. It is the exact opposite of the Berlin Wall. And just the way that she says it, you know that she has no idea what she's talking about because she's saying it in that like, um, really sort of sardonic way. Um, and she's not, she's not speaking in any rational way because she doesn't know. She doesn't know anything about history. She doesn't know anything about economics. She doesn't know anything about politics other than getting herself elected. She does know a thing or two about that, but exactly backwards. For weeks now, we've talked about how the left doesn't just get the world a little bit wrong. The left's view of the world is not just perverted, it is inverted. It is exactly backwards. Progressivism, leftism, socialism are ideologies in which breadlines are a good thing and abundant cheap food for everybody is a bad thing. In which keeping people out and keeping your people safe is exactly the same as keeping people imprisoned, keeping people locked in. 
Of course, this is backwards. And it's not just AOC. And it's not just crazy Bernie. It's even the allegedly respectable left-wing Democrat candidates like Kirsten Gillibrand. Um, on immigration, um, I mean, this, there's a crisis going on at the border right now. What if we, we need to have proper asylum? This president doesn't believe in asylum. He's afraid of immigrants. He's afraid of refugees. We need to be accepting more refugees, and we need to have a holistic, humane process to take on these asylum claims, process them appropriately, have real immigration judges to assess them, and then really provide the welcoming, open arms that this country has always been known for. And I, I just want to note that a lot of these people are indigenous to this land, and that border is cutting them off. I know, that's why the wall is so absurd and, yeah. and, and hurtful. So you heard all the boilerplate. It was a little difficult to hear because that was just filmed in a restaurant. But you hear at the beginning, she says, yeah, open borders, bring everybody in. Yeah, yeah, we need to take everybody. Okay, that's just boilerplate Democrat stuff. But then, listen to the absurdity of this. You hear the interviewer say, you know, a lot of the people who are foreign nationals trying to invade our country are indigenous to our country. And Kirsten Gillibrand says, yes, they are. The people who are not here, who were not born here, who do not live here, who are not from here, they are indigenous to here, which is why we need to let them come here. Because they're not here even though they're here. And they're from here. But they're not. That is the same babbling idiocy that we hear from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders. Now, Kirsten Gillibrand might cut a nicer jib. She might be a little more put together. She might talk in a more sophisticated way. But it is the same incoherence. It is the same exact inversion. Foreign cannot be indigenous. Foreign cannot be native. Those words are antonyms. They're not synonyms. And yet the left sees no difference. It's exactly backwards. And I'll just leave you on this. There was this crazy song that is making the rounds right now. And I don't, I'm not saying it's a billboard number one song, but it is a song that sums up the left's present view on abortion, where you have left-wing governors like Governor Cuomo in New York legalizing killing babies as they're being born and taking away criminal protections for babies who are being murdered as they're being born. And then you have governors like Ralph Northam in Virginia who are saying that not only can you kill a baby while it's being born, you should be able to give birth to the baby, let it sit on the table for an hour, and then chop its head off. And that's, per that's wonderful. That's women's health. That's compassionate. That's comforting. And there's this song now which is uh, by some alleged artist named Amanda Palmer, singing about how we ought to have baby showers for abortions, baby showers for the babies that we're about to kill. So it's Amanda just waving from London. I know that you're going tomorrow, the hardest decision. And I've been on the side of the phone for a month and I know you're in hell and you know that I know what you're feeling. Life's such a when you have a baby, they throw you a party. And then when you die, they get together for a cry. But no one's gonna celebrate you, no one's gonna bring you cake and no one's gonna shower you with flowers the doctor won't congratulate you no one on that page
Basement's gonna shout at you that your heart also matters. It's a jarring song. Obviously, you hear the lyrics. The song is making a pro-life argument. She doesn't think it's making a pro-life argument. She thinks that she's suggesting baby showers for people who kill their babies. She's singing about how it's so wrong that we don't have baby showers for people who kill their babies. But this is a, a cry for help in a perverted culture. She's saying, I know I'm on the phone with you and I know that you're in hell and you've been in hell for a month. Right. I, no one's going to celebrate you. No one's going to bring you cake. No one's going to shower you with flowers. The doctor won't congratulate you. No one on that pavement's going to shout at you that your heart also matters. Right. Maybe there is a reason for that. Maybe there is a reason why none of those things will happen. Maybe there's a reason why no one's going to say, oh, it's so wonderful. All, all that matters is you, not the baby you just killed. No one's going to congratulate you on killing your baby. No one's going to throw you a shower. No one's going to bring you cake or celebrate you. Right. Why aren't they going to do that? Because you killed your baby. Why have you been in hell for a month? Because you're thinking about killing your baby. And there's a part of you that hasn't been totally perverted by uh, wrong, wrong appetites and even worse ideology and philosophy. There's a part of you that is your conscience, which is telling you that it is wrong to kill your baby. That's why you've been in hell for a month. Maybe there's a reason for all of that. It actually, the song unintentionally explains those reasons. And then the whole thesis of the song could be summed up in that line. Life's such a word for a lady dog, isn't it? Life's such a, isn't it? That's the thesis of the song. And life is only that way if you're doing it exactly the wrong way. There's suffering in life. There's hardship. This is part of human nature. This is part of a fallen world. But life is always constantly devoid of joy if you're doing it backwards, if you're doing it the wrong way. If you have no sense of joy in your life, if you're in hell, constant hell, it's because something has gone exactly backwards. Something has been inverted. And uh, we're seeing it at all of those levels, political ideology, culture, and of course, fundamentally, when we're talking about things that matter, divine things, metaphysical things, religious questions. That's our show. Tune in tomorrow. We'll have a show tomorrow and then uh, get your mailbag questions in because then afterward we'll be going to Notre Dame and I might get ch my head chopped off by Antifa. We'll just have to see. Check it out tomorrow. See what happens. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you then. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio is mixed by Dylan Case. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey everybody, I'm Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Two lawsuits are headed to the courts that might be better settled by reasonable adults having a logical conversation, but that's not going to happen. We'll look at the lawsuit against The Washington Post in defense of the Covington kids and another lawsuit against Donald Trump for declaring a national emergency. That's on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven.